You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 27 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaglia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. The decision was made. The Habs decided not to match the offer she'd given to Jesperi Kotkaniemi from the Carolina Hurricanes. They received a first and a third as compensation and decided to flip either their first or Carolina's first, whichever one's better, and a second to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for center Christian Dvorak. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the lines, talk about how you like the decision, the fact that they waited till 5.20 p.m. to make that decision on the deadline day. And uh, and yeah, so we'll get through all that. It's going to be a quick episode today. Just talk a bit about that. And uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. And I think that it's crazy because you look at this period of time in the NHL and you tell yourself, you know, there's not going to be much going on. It's kind of, you know, a little bit past the free agency period. All the big name, all excuse me, all the big name free agents have been signed. Um, trades are kind of, you know, nothing crazy going on. And I mean, now out of nowhere, Jesperi Kotkaniemi gets an offer sheet, and now the Mon- and now Montreal is in a little bit of a decision. They need to make a decision, and I think it came out of nowhere. I think it adds a little bit of spice to the NHL. That's for sure. And I think that as a Habs fan, and I think we can both agree on this. The Montreal Canadiens were in a lose-lose situation. And to be able to come out on the winning end of this situation, oh my God, I can't speak today. To be able to come out on the winning end of this situation, there wasn't much they could do. Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi had to be making $6.1 million for this upcoming season. And that's a lot of money to give for a player of that caliber at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Right? But they, but they did a decent job of replacing him. Yeah, they did a decent job. I think a good word is decent because uh, being given seven days to get a center in the National Hockey League, a number two center, isn't the easiest task. And teams are definitely going to give you a run for your money whenever you call them for one of those centers. Elliot Friedman sent a 31 podcast, 31 Thoughts podcast that, well, soon it's going to be 32, actually. They're going to have to change their name. Because Seattle. Anyways, Seriously. on the 31 Thoughts podcast, Friedman did say that Bergeron called every team, asked about all their centers. He tried. He ends up landing Dvorak for a first and a second. I think that's obviously a bit of an overpayment, but you have to overpay when you're given seven days to make a decision. Right. And when the other team has all the leverage in a negotiation, right? I well, can Bergeron I say something did- else? I'm oh, yeah, so sorry ahead. to cut you off there, but the, no, no, the one ahead. thing I wanted to say is that you 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 hit the you hit the nail you hit the nail no the hammer on the nail right there. I don't know that um, expression. Yeah, neither do I, and it's, <laughs> it's a tough one to get. But what I wanted to mention was that every team now that Mark Bergevin would want to make a trade with in terms of centers, right? Whether mm-hmm. you, whether you look at Dvorak, whether you look at Evgeny Kuznetsov, whether you look at Thomas Hurdle, it doesn't really matter the name. Every team now has leverage in that type of deal. Because going into that type of deal with Nick Suzuki as your number one, potentially losing Jesperi Kotkiemi, and then your number three is Jake Evans, a flip of Jake Evans, um, Matthew Perot, and just a bunch of depth pieces, 
-hmm. It's very hard for, for Mark Bridgman to go out and get exactly what he wants for the exact price he wants. And that's why I think that there was a little bit of an overpay on Dvorak's part. However, I do think that he is a, I'll call him a gadget in this league. He can play everywhere on the ice. And I think that if there was one player that you overpay for, not one player you overpay for, excuse me, but if there's one player that where, where trade rumors have been linked to his name, that you're going to overpay for in my eyes, it's been Dvorak. And I'm not just saying this because we went out and acquired him. We've been saying it for a little bit, little while now. And I think that he brings, he brings a lot to the lineup personally. I'm getting a lot of flashbacks from last summer, a few summers ago where we'll start a few summers ago where the Habs acquired Max Domi in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk. People were mad. People said it was an overpayment where Max Domi could have been acquired for a cheaper price. Instead, Domi comes to Montreal having, I think it was nine goals the year before in Arizona, and three of them were empty net or something like that. And he ends up putting up 72 points in the 70s, right? Yep, 72, he did. I think. He did, yeah. And then they flip him for Josh Anderson and a third round pick. So they traded Domi a third for Anderson. And people are saying, that's another overpayment. What are you doing? Why are you overpaying for all these guys? Yet Anderson comes here, has a great season. Had a bit of a slow run in the middle, maybe because of injuries, mm-hmm. but had still had a great season. And now the same thing with Dvorak. People are saying he overpaid for the center. Look, this guy could come here and put up 70, depending on who he plays with. I'm, I'm not going to come out here and say that I watch Christian Dvorak every week when he was with Arizona. I, haven't, I had him in fantasy, so I, yeah. I was watching him pretty thoroughly. I've had him in a few fantasies, depending on the year. Um, he's always been like a consistent guy. Well, that's you know? it, right? Yeah. And and the the thing the thing about the whole Dvorak situation and the overpaying, the 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 term of an overpayment, is that I don't believe in overpayments. That's the thing. And the reason I say that, and I mean you could take it however you'd like, but the reason I say that is that when you're going to acquire a player that you've had on your mind or had or or who's been at the top of your board for such a long time to the point where you you as a GM or as a coach or as a management know that there's a specific way you're going to want to use this player and use him to your to your um, advantage, excuse me, in certain situations, whether it be in big face-off draws in the D zone or big O-zone draws in the offensive zone or in the neutral zone, five-on-five, power play, PK, who cares? If you know that this player is going to be a gadget player for you, then I don't think that there is such thing as an overpayment when you think that they actually are going to benefit at all five at all ends of the ice right at both ends of the ice yeah 100 percent um and all this talk you know with the changes with devora coming in kakinyemi leaving it led me to and i think it led everyone to think of that 2018 draft and not only look everyone's talk from the day kakinyemi was drafted the minute they said his name there was that lady in the stands who made that shocked face remember Mm -hmm. that lady i do so from the day, from the minute he was drafted, there was already doubt. Doubt in why did you just take this kid? And I think since then, there has never been a moment, whether it's the fan base, whether it's management, whether it's KK himself, where he's like, I belong here and I belong in the National Hockey League. And obviously, I think the relationship between Kotkaniemi and the Habs deteriorated this summer, especially because of what happened in the playoffs. I think it's unfortunate. And Carolina pushed them to make a decision instead of flipping him for 
stuff that you'd actually want, right? Instead of trading Kotkaniemi into an Eichel deal or into whatever, right. they forced them to make a different decision. Anyways, I'm going to stand by my decision and what I said last episode because some people are going to go listen to the last episode and say, Mark, what are you saying? You don't even like Christian Dvorak. Look, last episode I said I prefer a Kotkaniemi because of the long-term um, potential Value. he has. I still believe in that. I still think he can be a very good player. Christian Dvorak, great. Great hockey player. He's a good center. In an ideal situation, he's our third. I said it last right. last episode. He's our third C. But now he's our second and great. But I think as a fan base, we have to start a stop, excuse me, gain emotionally attached to players. I think that's what happened with Kotkaniemi because I don't think he did anything wrong. I think... It was management and the way they treated his development, whether it was stay in Montreal when you're 18 years old instead of going back to Finland or start at the wing or start at center at 18 years old instead of maybe putting him on the wing, send him to Laval. You know, there was a bunch of decisions that were iffy. Questionable for sure. Questionable, yeah. And from the beginning, from that draft floor in Dallas, there was never any hope of this kid's going to be our guy because there was just so much uncertainty. And and I back exactly what you're saying and I kind of echo what you're saying too. And just to add to that point, it's the fact that you talked about the lady making the face when they drafted KK at three. And it goes a little deeper than that in the sense that KK was a player at the time, and I remember this very vividly, who was dropping in the rankings for sure. In ter- Sorry, I mean... Not dropping. I meant the other way around. He was rising in, in the rankings because of his position, because of the league he played in, right? Because when you're playing in a men's league at that age and putting up pretty good numbers, it's pretty impressive. So he started rising. And he was a player that was projected to go in the 7 to 10 range, and he ended up going 3. Mm-hmm. So right from the get-go, like you mentioned, there's been a lot of question marks. There's been a lot of, we, did we draft him too high? Is he going to pan out at the position that we drafted him? Was it a bad mistake? Was there someone else we could have taken? And when that is the and, and when that message is being conveyed into people's minds on a daily basis when you watch the Montreal Canadiens, like you mentioned, it's very hard for the management to treat him with, with the respect he deserves. Because I guarantee you that those same question marks run through their head also. They probably second-guess their decision. Do you think that they they probably tell themselves, should we have drafted Brady Kachuk, Quinn Hughes, names, and the list goes on and on. And that in turn leads them to treat treat him the way that he was treated. And I do not blame him for not wanting to stay in this city and quite frankly in this organization. Because I think that players like Kotkaniemi deserve a fair shot. And especially a 21-year-old center who, in my eyes, has a ton of potential in this league. Yeah. And a lot of people won't agree with me on that, really. At this point, a lot of people will tell me that he's a bust. And I don't know how you can call a guy a bust at 21 years old. You know what? Once you start hitting that 25-26 range, fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. But we're not there yet. Yeah. And it's sad. No, no, I completely agree. There was always... He always wanted to defend him. There was always reason to defend him and bring up points of arguing, you know, wait, he's young. Stop comparing him to Kachuk. He's a center. It's a different role. He has different things to do on the ice rather than a winger. And there was never that certainty of just let the kid play. There was always talk about his draft and where he was picked and 
how he's playing and where he should have he should have gone back to Finland, should have stayed in Laval, should have done this, should have done that. The decisions were made and they should have just stayed like that. Instead, now he's a Carolina Hurricane. Congrats to him. He's getting gaining a nice contract. He's gonna get a nice extension. Good for him, good for the kid. But the Habs internally, management, they need to figure out what the hell's going on at that draft table. It's not normal that this is the second, third overall pick that has been dealt. I'll say the word dealt because he wasn't traded, Kotkaniemi. He was, you know, offer sheeted. Yeah. I'll say the word dealt. It's the same word as trade, but still. It's the second one. The last one was Galchenyuk that has left and who was a player with high expectations at the center ice position who was drafted to be a center for this team and now is not anymore. It's the second time it's not normal. And and it's really not normal. It's 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 actually it looking around the league, the value of a first round pick, let alone a top ten draft pick, is so high. Mm-hmm. And when two of those picks that the Montreal Canadiens have made in the last, you know, let's say ten years, two yeah. of those picks have not panned out. What does that tell you? That tells me a lot. And I'm not, and, and Mark, we, we both know that we can sit here and bash the management and the organization all day. I'm not going to sit here and do that. The one thing I will say, though, is that like you just mentioned, they need to figure it out. Because when the value of a pick like that is so valuable, right? You can A first-round pick in trades is so valuable. But if Montreal were to, if they were to ever go into a phase where they were going to, you know, tank, let's say, quote-unquote, tank, and they were going to acquire first-round picks. They need to capitalize with those picks because tanking only matters if you convert on those picks, right? You look at Boston in 2015, 2016, if I'm not mistaken, when they met, yeah. right, when they when they took Zaboral, they took DeBrusque and one other name that I can't put my finger on. But regardless, they had three first-round picks that did not pan out in the way that they wanted to, and I'm not saying that their organization is now in shambles, but it could have been a completely different story going forward. Mm-hmm. And the thing is with Montreal now is that with two picks, like I just mentioned, in the top 10 that they've messed up, if that continues to happen, then there is no point in ever trading for a first-round pick in this organization because they might as well just take shots on late guys in the fourth and fifth round as opposed to spending so much draft capital and trade capital to pick in that top in 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 that top ten, top five even, top five right? Your top five because because we can both agree that going going into the 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 Alex Galchenyuk draft, he was projected to go top three. He was going to go top three, top five at least. Yeah, he had an amazing year with Sarnia. Right, like he but, was elite. And don't get me wrong, Kotkaniemi maybe was drafted a little bit higher than he should have been. But regardless, these are top 10 prospects going into their respective mm-hmm. drafts. And the fact that one has been offer sheeted and, and, and has been mismanaged throughout his three years in Montreal, and the other one was, you know, was kind of like very, very up and down throughout the whole thing. What does that tell you? It tells me a lot about this organization. And don't get me wrong, I think Bergevin has done a great job with certain moves and certain trades. But I think he knows that he messed up big time in this situation. Yeah, there could have been different routes. There could have been a different route to when selecting the player. And there could have been a different route when having that pick. Because if you remember correctly, uh, Ryan O'Reilly was traded at the 2015 NHL entry draft. To St. Louis, correct? From Buffalo? From Buffalo to St. Louis. The ask from Buffalo at the time was the third overall pick. Right, and now and- looking back at that, 
looking back, it's so easy to look back and say, obviously, you pull the trigger, the guy won the Conn Smythe, the Selkie, and the Stanley Cup. But at the moment, I told myself, I remember telling myself, there's no way you trade that pick. Right. There's no way. It's very, it's very easy to say what if, right? Very easy to say. But now, looking back at it, you'd have Ryan O'Reilly. But at the time, they chose the 18-year-old kid, which makes sense because you want him to be your center for 10 years, mm-hmm. not till he's 21. Anyways, this stems down all the way to Trevor Timmons about who you're picking, and then it goes to the organization of how you develop them. Because as much as you could put the blame on the general manager, absolutely, he's, yeah, he's just he's making the final decision, but he also gotta you got he's gotta hire the right people to make those development programs to amateur scouts and all that. One hundred percent, and and that's where I was gonna chime in here, and then I think that a, a huge misinterpretation stems from the fact that I think a lot of people and a lot of casual fans and a lot of people that just watch hockey in general believe that when when a player when a player is traded or a player is picked in the draft or a player is is put on waivers or whatnot, whatever the case may be, it's all in the GM. And you know what? I'm not taking the blame away from Mark Bergevin here. All I'm telling you is that in any franchise, whether it goes to the NHL, NFL, NBA, doesn't matter. These organizations have so many people that work within that make these decisions and help make the final decision. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day is that what's what's quite frankly so sad is the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are unable to get themselves together and find the right people in this management and it's not like it's been a couple of years now. This has, this range is back 10 plus years. Because if you look at the first round picks that they made, even outside the top 10, whether it goes from third overall to 25th overall in Ryan Paling or Michael McCarron, they cannot make the right decision. They, they haven't done it once. And the one time that they maybe did was Mikhail Sergachev, but he was shipped. And the thing is that now looking back at it, there's so many question marks going towards, oh, well, if Mr. if Excuse me. Well, if Mikhail Sergachev was in Montreal still, would he be the same player that he is in Tampa? Probably not, because Tampa's development program is way superior than ours. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, it's a bit different to look back at things, obviously, because every team has made mistakes in the first round, and it's obvious. It's You're betting on 18-year-old kids, 19-year-old kids to become NHL superstars. It's not, it's not the easiest thing. You don't have, it's not, you're not playing a video game where you can see their progression. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons have to figure something out in the first round. Because in the second, third, fourth, they've been doing pretty good jobs. And that's be- probably because of their amateur scouts who are in Finland, Sweden, I- all those guys that they have at the draft table. Sorry, I just wanted to add to that mm-hmm. point too. I also think, and this might just be a shot in the dark here, I also think when they're picking in those rounds, there's a lot less um, weight on their shoulders, right? They can no take- one's really... Right, the they magnifying can, glass. Exactly, they can take some shot shots on kids that they that they truly believe will mm-hmm. pan out. But I think a lot of the picks that they've made in recent years have been a lot of like ha, has been a result of a lot of pressure from the media and telling them, "Oh, th- this guy seems great at this position at third overall, or this guy's great at twelfth, or this guy's great at seventh. Regardless, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to make the right pick. And when there is pressure to perform in certain situations, Montreal hasn't been able to capitalize. In terms of management. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm trying to think of their first-round picks that have been amazing. And the ones that come to mind are Carey Price, Max Pacioretty, and Cole Caulfield. That's it. And and the thing is... Under that, Trevor that, Timmons, at least. And I don't want to take anything away from Caulfield here, but you can't... like. 
that he's still young, right? So we have two established guys in our system, and one of them is not even there anymore. And one of them is our franchise goaltender for for whoever who knows mm. how long it's been. So, I mean, what does that go to tell you when you draft properly? And you make the right decision. And it's not going to be every time that you make the right decision, right? Every franchise in this league has made a wrong decision in the first round. Mm -hmm. But when it's year after year, that's a different story. I think there's things after this Kotkaniemi thing that they really need to, you know, like write down and learn from your mistakes. One of them being when you're in the top five, whenever that may be in the draft, you don't miss. You choose the best player available, no matter what position he plays, you choose him. I, I, I agree. And and I, there might be positional needs. That is a real thing. But you go and you get that somewhere else. Right. It, whether it be through trade, free agency, whatever. And mm. I'm not saying that you build your team through trades and free agency. But what I am telling you is that when you have young kids on the board that could either be elite potential or superstar potential or whatever it is, you can't be specific with your pick, right? I, sorry, not with your pick. You cannot be picky in, in choosing position because Kotkaniemi could have been drafted at 10. And I think that he could have been drafted in, in that range. But the thing is that they decided that they needed a center so bad that they were going to reach at him on him at three. And that did not, and, and that only caused more problems than they had anticipated. So. Because they had no clue Nick Suzuki would be a Montreal Canadian next year. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true as well. So anything could happen in a year. So you draft, not by position, the best player available, and you see what happens in the future. Anyways, do you sorry? Do you mind if I just go through the the Montreal Canadiens past since I'll go back to 2008 here because 2007 the Montreal Canadiens picked first round McDonough, second round uh, first round McDonough at 12th, it's a good 20, pick. 22nd Max Pacioretty, and 43rd PK Subban. That was yeah. a great draft because Subban but, was second. That's why when I was naming first round picks, I'm like Subban was a second if I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah. But then I'm just gonna go through the first round picks here. Go ahead. 20, 2008 Danny Cristo, 2009 Louis LeBlanc. 2010, Jared Tenorti. 2011, Nathan Bollier. 2012, Galchenyuk. Michael McCarron. Sherback. Juleson. Sergachev. Paling. Kotkaniemi. Now. Then Caulfield. Right. I am not going to sit here and tell you that I am impressed. (laughs) I'm not going to sit. And and it's and the problem is Mark is that in every and I know I've I've made a few references to other sports, but it does range to those to those extents. When you draft. When you draft and you draft properly, you are going to be successful. And I'm I'm not a one to give credit to this team. And I know it's easy to make certain picks, which at least we think is easy mm-hmm. to make certain picks. But Montreal has a hard time doing it. But you look at the Leafs. You look at Mitch Marner at four. You look at you look at uh, Austin Matthews at one. And and those are the two names that I can name that I can name. And yeah. I don't know about the rest. But all I'm saying is that it's easy to take Matthews at one, but there was a debate between him him and line. They went with Matthews at four. Marner wasn't the, like maybe now looking back at Kachuk. There was, there was some other guys on the board. Right. So again, I'm not trying to give credit to Domi. All I'm saying is that they made right decisions and you see how it works for them in Mm -hmm. terms of what they build as a, as a, as a lineup in the regular season, at least a little bit of a shot there in the, a little bit of a shot there to the least. Yeah. People are going to, well, doesn't matter. People always- are gonna say fire Bergevin, he can draft. Bergevin came in in 2012. That was the Galchenyuk pick. And he's he's proven, like he said publicly that he preferred Morgan Riley as a pick. However, it, he just started as a GM for this organization, and he wanted Trevor Timmons to make that decision. I, I just don't know how fair, fair enough. I just Look, and I'm not trying to give Bergevin a hard time here. It's one I thing give when it's Timmons a hard time. It's not normal. Yeah, 
That's fair. That's fair. But right, right. I, because, I'm just saying that I think that Bergevin also does have a say in these type in these situations. Yeah, and he should because every every draft, I feel like Trevor Timmons is always defending himself on a previous pick. Because obviously at the draft, you can't defend the pick you just made because no one knows how it's going to pan out. Right. But he's always defending something. And let's not forget, we just went through all those picks, all those first-round picks, and we didn't go through what happened in 2020. Who they picked? Caden Gooley. Sorry, 2021. Oh, sorry. Logan Mayu. You know what I mean? They just drafted Logan Mayu with their first-round pick. Yeah. A guy who's suspended in the OHL. He can't even play this year. So it's like, and, in and, five years, sorry, in five years, when we look back at all these picks, so we'll, Jared Tenorti, Michael McCarron, Alex Galchenyuk, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who's a Carolina Hurricane, and Logan Mayu, who knows how he's going to pan out, but it could be another miss. Yeah, absolutely. could be another miss. And, and what gives fans the impression that it won't, right? They haven't proven to draft well ever. How many misses is it going to take for you to fire this guy? Because look, his second round picks are amazing. They're good. Romanov, Norlander, and you have Evans in the seventh round. Good. They're cool. But look how many missed first round picks you guys have. When's it when's it gonna take either Jeff Molson or Mark Bergevin to look at another team, copy their model? Because you can just copy their model of how they draft, whether it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, whether it's the Carolina Hurricanes who have built an organization from within. Very much so. Whether you know, and you you could even poach guys from those teams because this organization has money, and use that to your advantage because mm-hmm. there's no salary cap for management guys. So poach guys, give them money, come be my head of amateur scouting, and try and build from within because Nick Suzuki, as much as he's a great player, Not you don't, that doesn't within. come around every every day because you have to trade your captain for him. Mm-hmm. You got to draft those players and build around them. Absolutely, you, know, you, you do not need to convince me. Yeah, I and think and we both and agree the, on that, right? And the one thing I want to add too is that a lot of people, you know, and, and including myself, and I and I could probably speak for you on, on your behalf as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you you go into every year's draft, and I mean more as of late than anything. But you're like, oh great, Montreal has a first round pick, two seconds, two thirds, so many draft picks, so many draft picks. Yeah, and then and then, but it doesn't matter if you don't if you don't capitalize on you those picks. Hit. And if you don't draft properly, so like you can have a hundred picks, you can have 200 picks, but if you're not going to draft properly, then it doesn't matter how many picks yeah. you have, quite frankly. Look at Winnipeg. When have they ever signed a big name free agent or traded for a big name guy? They have it because they can't because it's Winnipeg. That city sucks. Right. So what do they do? They draft properly. Mark, Mark Shifley, what an amazing pick. Mark Shifley, and pa- and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like pa- Patrick Line was a bad pick either. I mean, again, it was kind of obvious at two, but mm. they still drafted him. Nick Ehlers, what a pick that was. Ehlers, what about well Wheeler was drafted so so long ago. Kyle He's Connor, still captain. Yeah, Kyle Connor. You know, it's crazy. What are they doing different? And you got to figure that out. And it, and I don't really think it's I don't think it's really that much different. I just think it's the fact that the guys who are in charge. The, the guys who are in charge over there, who, wherever it may be, you want to go yeah. look at other systems, they, they've hit once and they know how to do it again. Montreal has never hit. The last time they actually hit was 2007. And if you want to, and even at that, if you want to go back to 2005, where they actually hit in Carey Price, right? So they don't know how to win a draft. And I don't know how much longer I can take that because, like you said, promising franchises and successful franchises 
are the ones I build with from within. And I, and I stand by that. And don't get me wrong. There are pieces you can acquire in the off season. That goes without saying, but like we both agree on, you do not win. You don't win the, the cup in free agency. You don't. Oh no. You don't. And for people who might not understand my point of secondhand guys. So guys behind the GM or even on top. Here's my example. John Davidson. He's the president of hockey operations for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He left in 2019. He left to go to the New York Rangers with Jeff Gordon. He left in 2019. When was the downfall of the Columbus Blue Jackets? 2019, 2018, right? Where they lost all those free agents. Right. They drafted in 2016 Pierre-Luc Dubois. Amazing pick. Mm-hmm. They got off. The, they went off the board a bit because there was Jesse Pugliarvi right behind them. They had a Finnish GM in Jarmo Kekalainen who didn't draft a top three Finnish player. He went and took the Quebecer. John Davidson leaves in 2019, goes to the Rangers. The Rangers draft very good. Columbus goes on a bit of a downfall. Recently, Tom Wilson does that whole debacle in New York. Everyone gets fired, including John Davidson. And he goes back to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This year, and in 2021, they just probably had the best draft in the past 10 years for this organization. They drafted amazing players throughout all of the first round. They had three first round picks, and they did very well. And we'll see in five years. And and again, and sorry to cut you off again, but all Mm -hmm. I'm saying is that, you know, we believe that the draft that the way they drafted was promising. Now we don't know yet, and we we'll wait a little bit. But the thing is, is that. A lot of the, it, you know, it's crazy because some people, some people, some players will be drafted at the beginning of the second round, end of the first round. And people will be like, oh, how did they slip that far? What a great yeah. pick. And it's like, it's almost as if that pick is so blatantly obvious, but teams try to stay away because they, they're, they're scared to be the ones to take the shot on them. But Montreal has nothing to lose at this point in terms of drafting. I don't know why they don't go after the, the, the name players or the guys that they scouted and they truly believe in. And don't get me wrong. I think last year's draft, the, the more, the one the more promising aspect of it was probably Jan Misak and even uh, Luke Tuck. Hopefully those two players can actually do something and provide for this team. But the thing is that it is so important to actually hit on players in the first round because that first round talent is unmatched. You look at the NHL compared to any other sport. The NFL, all first three rounds of players start right away. And I know that they're a little older and whatnot. But the point is that in the NHL, once you start getting to the second, third, fourth, and the, the deeper you go, the less chance of a of a, the less chance these players have of making the actual team. So you really need to capitalize on your opportunity in this first round and yeah. actually pick players who will actually provide for your for your 100%. hockey team. Okay, so I think we got a lot off our chest about the draft. Yeah, needed that. Needed that. I, honestly we did. But I'm it's funny because sponsors. Sorry, sorry I ahead. just want to say yeah, it's funny. Ahead. It's funny how the Kotkaniemi situation and offer sheet relates so heavily back to the draft because it opens people's eyes on the fact that this is another third overall pick that has now been given to another organization before his prime. Mm-hmm. It's not normal. Mm. It's not normal, and and it's funny because we say before his prime, and and in my eyes, players hit their prime 27, 26, 27, 28, that type of. It. He's five years away from that. <laughs> He's five years away yeah. from that. And the thing is, is that mm-hmm. now he's going into a development program, which I will vouch for and tell you that I believe that they know how to develop their players. And if he gets a fair shot, maybe second or third line or whatever it may be, gets on the power play, learns how to play in big situations, which we talked about all season. Honestly, 
he could be a very solid second he line center, be. like a could very be. good. And 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 Habs fans will will shoot themselves and say, why didn't we sign him to the six point one million offer sheet? Everyone loves to look back and say, what if? We've moved on now. We're we're done this conversation. But it's just it's crazy to me how one thing leads to another in in this league. And before I go to the sponsors and our, we'll go through the lines of the Habs. Mark Bergeron will probably be remembered. Or I, I'm going to ask you. Okay. In 10 years time or whenever let's yeah 5 to 10 years time he'll probably be out right most likely because of his age and you know change of scenery when you look back at Marc Bergevin and i'm sure a bunch of fans will have different opinions will he be remembered as a the guy who traded PK Subban for Shea Weber one of the biggest blockbusters in this decade Will he be remembered as B, the guy who didn't match an offer sheet for a 21-year-old center who he drafted third overall? Or C, will he be the general manager remembered as the one who took the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1993? And I'm asking you this because as much as there's always something to complain about in Montreal. This team did just go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Which is being overlooked heavily right now because of the fact heavily. that they've had a very bad offseason. But... And I think that we just got to relax a bit, open our minds to what this team could do again because we still have Josh Anderson, still have Tyler Toffoli. So I think it's time to move on from this whole Kotkaniemi thing. And I just want to know your answer from that because I just find it funny. No, I think it's a great question. Personally, the way I, the route I would go, I would choose A. I would choose A. I think the Weber, the Weber yeah. for um oh, for PK Subban was was one of those trades that first of all you don't see very often. Not at all. Like not at all, especially those two massive contracts. Yeah. But I think he also kind of normalized that in major league sports you could move contract like money money moves money moves Even very easily. No matter how much people like you, if I don't like you, you're getting moved. Right. Like it and and spe- and the crazy part is is that I remember it like it's like it was yesterday. Yeah. I mean Mark Bergemay said we're not moving PK Subban. It was like two days before, right? At the and draft he, he said it. Yeah, and he went out and moved him in arguably one of the bigger trades we've ever seen in, in our time. So I would stick with that. I mean, I think if I had to put it in an order, I would go. I'd go A for sure. That's my that's my mm-hmm. answer. I think people would talk about that trade as a positive in his career or in his time with Montreal. Yeah. But then I would say B as as one of the more I'll say one of the more like one of the the points that people will talk about as as not as good. Like one one of the more questionable moves for sure. Okay. Yeah. But I, I would say A. 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 Yeah, I'd I'd go with A also. I think if they would have won the cup. Oh, that's story. a completely different story. You know what I mean? Completely different story. But again, you can also look at this cup run, and I'm not going to take anything away from it right now. I'm really not. I had so much fun watching it. It was probably one of the better, you know, stretches of of my sport watching sports career, oh, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is that we also can't forget, and I stand by this, that I think that Bergevin might have been one goal away in, in that Toronto series from being fired. And mm. I and I stand by that because 
that's just how sports work. And it's funny how they work, but it's the truth. And I think that if he were fired, it would be, a, I wonder where this organization would be right now, but we're not in that case. Yeah. And I'm not going to go and tell you that Ducharme doesn't deserve to be signed to a contract. I'm not going to tell you that Bergevin doesn't deserve to be signed to a contract, but I truly do believe that if they lost to Toronto in that first round or didn't make the playoffs at all, I don't think Ducharme comes back as head coach. I don't, I don't think he, his interim tag would be taken off and, or sorry, I, I don't think he would be named head coach. And I don't think that Mark Bergevin would be back as the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Fair, but again, but, but again, it's what if, right? It's always about what if. Always about what ifs. Yeah. Anyways, we'll do our sponsors. I'll start with uh, World's Best Media. So Nick on Instagram, go check him out. It's World's Best Media without the O. Um, he does amazing promotional pictures and videos. So if you need anything for a company, even for personal reasons, weddings, anything, go check him out. World's Best Media without the O on Instagram. DM him. And he'll let you know prices and all that. Also, we'd like to take the time to shout out our good friends at Signature Pro. They have put together weekly memorabilia charity auctions that include a variety of items with star bids of $10, $5, and even $1. Every Friday, auctions begin, which lasts till the following Wednesday at 8 p.m., and 15% of the proceeds are donated to a new charity every week. Since the beginning of 2021, they've given back $2,046 per week. Make sure to visit them at signaturepro.biddenraise.com to start bidding now. That's signaturepro.biddenraise.com to start bidding now. All right. We'll go line by line here. Cool. And completely off the top of the head. All right? Off the top of the head. So I can't I can't look at uh I can't look at my my little what's it called? Daily face off. You know what? You can. Okay. You can. I so mean, I'm not I'm not I don't have the same lines that they do, so Okay. You want to go first? Uh, I'll let you go first. So the first line, I'll let you. So go. we're gonna go line by line. So I'm gonna go Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and I'm going to take a page out of Eric Engel's book here and put Jonathan Joy on the left. Okay. Wing. They have Mike Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I'm like I'm gonna just not kind of listen to that. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Suzuki Caulfield with Tafoli. Okay, that's fair. And that that was my that was my kind of what's the word? Um, my Same kind of. Myth. Yeah, there you go. But I was, you yeah. know, I think that Jonathan Joy, if he's going to be in this lineup and if he's going to play, need oh, a little bit of voice crack there. Wow, needs um, yeah. a bigger role on this team, and I think he needs to be depended on more to the point where he feels he feels um, important to this team. So yeah, I'm going to put him on that top line. And I guess right. my second line. Um, yeah. I mean, look, center wise, so it's a it's a, it's a little bit scarce. It's a little bit scarce, but I'm going to have Dvorak down the middle. Mm-hmm. With, um, with Josh Anderson, and with Josh Anderson and Hoffman or Toffoli, I'm not too sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Hoffman for now. I'm gonna go okay. with Hoffman right now. So, so Dvorak, Hoff. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, uh, Hoffman, Dvorak, Anderson. Hoffman, Dvorak, Anderson. Okay. I'm gonna go. Um... I'm going to go Hoffman, Dvorak, Gallagher. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I The reason that, I'm not, that I didn't put Gallagher there was mainly because I want to see, and this leads me to my third line, I want to see Jake Evans play with Gallagher. I think that they complement each other's style very nicely. Two speedy players, two aggressive players. Jake Evans has the slight edge in terms of um, in terms of skill, I'd say, and he's very good at both ends of the ice. Gallagher you know, can get in those corners without feeling like a defensive liability. So I'm going to have Evans, Brendan Gallagher, and Tyler Toffoli. You bring that scoring option as well. Great on that left wing. 
another option to add, you know, you bring up a good point, but another option to add for Gallagher to move down, and if you have Anderson with Dvorak, apparently, from what people say, Dvorak likes to play with players who like to carry the puck. So honestly, if I Jake Evans choice, on the wing, no, no. If I change my choice here mm-hmm. and go with you and Dvorak, Hoffman and Anderson, mm-hmm. you have two guys in Hoffman and Anderson who like to carry the puck. Hoffman can put the puck in the net. Anderson could take it two hundred to feet. the net. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love to that. the net. And Dvorak likes to be in front of the net. So if you have a speedy guy on the right, a goal scorer on the left, that could work out very well. Absolutely, and I'm full. I'm all for that. I mean. I, that wasn't my that wasn't like my necessary reasoning for why mm-hmm. I put those guys together. I just think that Montreal right now is in a very I'll say sensitive position. They have a lot of players that are that are good at doing certain things respectively, but I don't know if that will all gel together. Now time will tell for sure, but I do think that as of now, I think Dvorak is definitely a guy who is very defensively responsible and can also put the puck in the net. He had 18, uh, 17 goals last season, 18 the year before, but 17 in a 56-game season, not bad at all, um, playing on Arizona to boot. So I think uh, Dvorak playing with two guys, like you said, that can definitely carry the puck and one that can knows how to put the puck in the net uh, more times than not. So yeah. I think that could work out nicely. And so that means your your third line was what? It was Tyler Toffoli, Jake Evans, and Brendan Gallagher. Okay, so that means mine is Jake Evans, Gallagher with Drouin. Right, it is. With Drouin, yeah. And then the fourth line? Not bad, honestly. I, I can also, mm. I can see that too, for sure. I Honestly, I think you can make up a hundred different combinations and they, oh, they yeah. are all possible uh, to yeah. come through. Um, and then my fourth line, I, I look, um, Matthew Perot seems to be the, the guy for me right now in terms of center. I'm going to stick to him instead of Cedric Paquette. Um, so I'm going to go with Perot. Armia has to get in there because, I mean, they signed him for a reason. They gave him the money for mm-hmm. a reason. And Lekin in on the left. And I mean, again, I mean, there's definitely speculation about Ryan Paling and where he slots in. Now, as of right now, I have no idea. I think we should wait for Camp to start to make those speculations. But as of right now, I'll take Lekin in, Perot, and Joel Armia. See, I'm going to go with the Ryan Paling route. That's fair. I'm going to go Paling, Armia, Lekinen. I think Perot, they're going to treat him a lot like Perry was treated. Where right. it was when you get your shot, you'll, you you'll have get to, it at some point, but got to do something with it. Prove your worth. Right. And and my question to you is, is that I think Ryan Paling, you know, drafted a 25th overall. And now some might say it's a late, it's a, well, some might say it's not, it's just the truth. It's a late first round pick. So it, it's a gamble. But the thing is, is that he showed some promise, not only in that one game. I'm not going to just look back on that, but he, he looked good in training camp and he was honestly supposed to take that spot from Nick Suzuki, but got his concussion. So my question to you, like, do you think it's worth putting a guy of Ryan Paling's caliber and of, and of his potential on the fourth line with, with other fourth line players? Because I feel like he's a guy that can, that can benefit heavily from playing with some skilled guys, like whether it be bumping up to the third line with Tyler Toffoli and, and, a, and a guy like Gallagher, right? And I know it's sensitive because you don't really want to move ends down to the fourth and you don't want to really move Dvorak anywhere else because you gave up the capital. But do you think Paling should play on the fourth line? I'll put it this way. Where did Nick Suzuki start in the National Hockey League? On the fourth line. On the wing of the fourth line. And he right. proved that he could move his way up the lineup and he showed the coaching staff that, look, I should be on the ice for 20 minutes a night. And I think they start off paling there and if you have to swap him with Evans, you swap him with Evans. I don't mind that one bit because if you have a lockdown fourth line of Evans, Lekin, and Armia, that's a good fourth line. It is a good line. Very good line. Very de- defensively responsible, which is what you're, what you're mm-hmm. nest- 
essentially there for. And you have Palin with a guy like Drouin, at least the way my lines are made. With Drouin, and it would be... Gallagher for you, right? Gallagher. Look, it's not bad for him. It's not bad for the player, but you can swap Evans and Palin around. Right. No, I... that he could play in the league. I, I'm with you on that. You know what? I you know what? I'm not going to switch my answer here, but I could definitely see Paling making a, a bid for for that fourth line center, and then potentially moving his way up, even maybe on the wing potentially if it's yeah. if, if 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 he's showing that much promise. So, for sure. And we'll do the defense really quickly because it's really simple. Right. Right. I, I mean, Petri. That's that's not going anywhere. I think Shirotsavard. Two big boys. Right. And then what Romanov and they have Weidman here. Do you think Norlander Norlander makes the lineup? The only reason why I don't think Norlander makes the lineup is because Romanov's there, and already they hate having young defensemen for some reason. So it's too bad. It's too bad. I don't understand. If Norlander makes the lineup, then yeah, you'll see him. You'll see Romanov with Sharat and Norlander with Savard, something like that, or vice versa. Right to to get the young guys with guys with mm-hmm. a little bit of more experience. Exactly. For sure. But sure. defense will will let Luke Richardson take care of that, and then goalies. Obviously, in my opinion, one of the best tandems in the National Hockey League. Price and CP thirty one and JA thirty four. Exactly. Um. Yeah. You know what? Look, I and this is the, the last comment I'm going to make today. Yeah. Well, I, off there. there you go. I think that this lineup. You know, people say that we look worse than last year. I think that on paper, maybe. I think that they added some components that were very much needed. Mike Hoffman. Goal scoring. Goal scoring in Mike Hoffman. And I'm just going to, sorry, I'm just going to scroll up quickly here. You bring in Mike Hoffman. Drouin's back. And look, question marks across the board. Yeah. But but let's but let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. And Jake Evans is going to have to assume a little bit of a bigger role here. You have a guy like Matthew Perot slash Ryan Paling who, who are going to need to show some promise to, to bulk up that bottom six which could arguably be a better bottom six than it was last year. Mm-hmm. And then Dvorak is the second line, which is also one of the bigger question marks. But now, if he goes into the season and plays a very good 200-foot game, I don't see I don't see how they can be very much worse than last year. Or, sorry, maybe not worse is the wor- worse is not the right word. Inconsistent. I feel yeah. like they have players in this lineup that play a much more consistent style of hockey. Um, I know they didn't bring in too many pieces, but I think that the guys they brought in were very much needed. And I know we said it was going to be the last thing you said, but I no, I want to I want to hear your opinion. No, no, I completely agree with that opinion. I just want to bring up something else, and it's about the organization. Yeah, because I forgot to bring it up before. Don't don't start with me on the organization, man. I I can go for hours on the organization. I know I can't ask you this question, but I'll just say it because I want to say it. Can I know why there has not been a tweet, an Instagram post, anything? Thanking Yasperi Kotkaniemi, acknowledging the fact that he's not a Montreal Canadian anymore. Can I know why that's not a thing? Has there really not been? Because I haven't paid attention to that as there much. There was the tweet late. saying we have not matched the offer. We have acquired Christian Dvorak, and that's it. And now today they tweeted about the camp. So the rookie camp starts on September fifteenth. I saw that. So the twenty first. They tweeted that. Nothing else. Yeah, that is very questionable, in my opinion. Very questionable. Come on, really? Yeah, it, it's and 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 quite frankly, and they're I they're known that, for I, sorry, they're known for being such a 
organization, an organization with class. Right. It's cla- that's a classless move, though. That's classless. a classless move. And the thing is, is that, I mean, like the crazy thing is, is that if you were a per- if you were a person or a sports watcher, but who doesn't really follow hockey that like in in, in too much depth, you would probably think like, what did like Kotkaniemi? is very what did he do? definitely did something to harm this organization. Yeah. But he really didn't. I mean. I I don't need I, I don't need to explain it. Everyone knows, but Everyone it's, knows. it's 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 kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, what are that you bothered do me. About it? Bothered me. Um, and we'll see what happens when the Hurricanes arrive at the Bell Center next season, and how the fans I think he's gonna get booed. Oh, he will get booed. But it's Just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Subban got booed in the second period. It took them one period to. But you think you think then... they'll you think they'll get in a uh, like a ceremony like thanking him or not, or anything like that? I... If it's not a video. It should at least be a picture saying "Merci KK" or something. Yeah, right. I think I think a but, video. I think I think they'll end up putting a video. You know, I him do. putting on the jersey, getting drafted, all that stuff. It's huge for a player like that. He was drafted by this organization, and he'll never forget that moment. And and the thing is, is that he's also we've talked about this countless times, but he's a player who comes up in big moments, and there are a lot of pretty good videos to put up on that board. I mean, scoring that goal against Toronto and in in. In the uh, in game six, the there, one there, in Vegas, the one in Vegas. There's so many, and I mean, like, he was he was a focal point of this team for three years, and and he was a, an aspiring player in this league. And it's just it's too bad. It is too bad. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to go into this again. The price was very high, but when you're dealing with a player like that, sometimes you have to make certain con, a con, uh, certain commitments to the player you drafted. And I know that what that's not what Bergevin was willing to do, but we'll see we'll see how that plays out going forward. And on that note, we wish Jesperi Kotkaniemi the best of luck in Carolina. Of course. We hope Christian Dvorak enjoys coming to Montreal, plays his heart out, because apparently players who had a bad season before come here and light it up. So hopefully he does the same. And uh, we'll end it on that, and we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for watching, guys.